Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and my guest is Jacqueline Sclaver. She is a sports nutritionist at Athletes Nutrition. A-T-H-L-E-A-T-S. Athletes. I think it's hilarious. Maybe it's just me. Uh, Jacqueline was so much fun to talk to. She is so upbeat and so charismatic. It was so. It was just super easy to have this conversation with someone so, so knowledgeable about something that I, quite frankly, don't know too much about. So it was really interesting to hear her and how she broke into this space, especially after so many years in a completely different industry. And now what she's doing with some of these NFL ready combine pro day ready athletes and how she's making sure that they are the best they can be getting drafted the highest and obviously we're in a very weird situation now but it was really interesting to hear how she's helping these athletes still and what they're doing and how she's helping them super fun conversation so i hope you enjoy this episode with jacqueline sclaver Today's special guest, Jacqueline Sclaver, sports nutritionist at Athletes. Athletes, I love it. Nutrition. Jacqueline, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure, not pleasure to meet you. We've already met, but pleasure to see you again. You too. It's fantastic. And yes, athletes is funny to me. A T H L E A T S. How'd you get so clever? I have a way with those things. I think of good names like that. And it's funny because a lot of people don't pick up on it right away. And then I kind of changed my logo where I made the EATS a different color. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, now I get it. And they don't, they read it, they see it, and it just kind of goes out of their brain. But then they're like, oh, it's a play on words. Yep. So. The first time I saw it, I just read it and I was like, I don't get it. What's, and then, yeah, I actually looked at it. And that's when I was like, oh, wait, that is super clever. Good for you. I love it. That is pretty funny. So, yes, I'll make sure. Uh, maybe you could send me your logo over and I'll put it in the show notes so everybody can see how clever you really are. But the first question, I guess the second question I have for you on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? I've been an athlete my entire life. I always say I think I should have been born a boy because I always hung out with all the guys. I mean, I was down at the basketball courts, middle school, high school. My parents knew where to find me. I was just like waiting to be able to play basketball with them. Um, and then at one, one point in my life, I actually dug my own basketball court in my yard. And then all the guys that come to my house, I had a BMX bike growing up. I was one of the guys. I mean, so sports were just second nature for me. Um, started going in the weight room after school at age 15. I had my parents drop me off and I didn't miss a beat. You know, it was never like, oh, I have to work out. It's like, no, I need to. I want to. So um, it just sports came natural. Um, well, I don't want to say came natural. I've never been great at sports. I'm kind of a against the odds type of person. Uh -huh. Like, I love it. And I do it so much that I get better. But I am the most, the least athletic person in the world. I always say that. I'm like against all odds and athletes. And hey, you know, sometimes that's how it works, right? Sometimes uh, hard work beats out talent, right? Yeah, yeah. 100%. And then I guess, so you said at 15, you started going to the weight room. When did you really fall in love with the fitness aspect and, and really like paying attention and caring about how the body works and how all these things are interconnected? 
probably then because I would have like my dad would drop me off at the gym or I would have a guy friend go with me and I didn't really know what to do. I just watched everybody else, you know, and there was maybe one or two women in the weight room, but I watched all the men. I wrote my own programming. I watched what they were doing. Um, and that continued throughout college. I did start my first major as exercise science and admittedly I was very, very discouraged by the science. It was a little too much for me in that huge classroom setting. So I backed off, but it was a passion. It was something I always wanted to do. Um, and then I would say, as I got older, I started to realize, well, maybe there is a little difference in what the men and the women are doing. And I wanted to study it and learn it more. Um, but I think it started then. It started as soon as I got in that weight room and I was like, well, why are they doing these things? And how is that gonna build these muscles? And how am I gonna look a different way? And it definitely started more physique than performance. I think the performance came as I got more work working in sports more and understanding how the body moves and how that affects performance. And that's really interesting. Uh, I think it's very important for people to understand how you, you kind of saw something and you, it, was the, it was the curiosity, you know, that piqued your interest. And that's kind of what led you down this path a little bit. And I uh, have personally never taken those exercise science classes, but I had some friends that did and they did say it was like they wanted to help people and they wanted to, you know, be a trainer or, or some capacity. And then they get into that giant classroom setting where there's 300 people and they're completely, you know, the, the science aspect of it is really like, that's the difficult part. And if you can't really grasp all of it in that type of setting, it is kind of uh, unfortunate. So with, with that though, you know, so you were always interested in the body, you were interested in how all these muscles worked and how everything worked together. When did you, when did you want to start helping other people with this and say like, Hey, this is a career path I can go down. I think that started really young too, because I went to a high school where, and I know a lot of high schools, weightlifting and, and being in the weight room, even for women's sports is something that's done. In my high school, it wasn't. So I was the only one doing that. And my teammates and my friends would be like, you know, can you help me out? Even the guys sometimes. By the time I was a senior in high school, it was obviously different that my body was changing different than other people. And people were like, can you help me? Can you? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I can help you. But more than the exercise, it was nutrition that started even earlier for me. And I, when I say early, I mean, middle school, grade school, I started packing my own lunches. I knew that I did not want to eat that food. I didn't know why, but enough that it kind of, I, I was stuck out. They called my parents and were like, you know, your daughter doesn't eat the same things other people do. My mom's like, yeah, I know. She, she packs her own lunches every morning. I see it. She's eating. She's just not eating processed spam, you know? So um, that was something that came to me even earlier on. And people were curious and I just started helping people. You know, I didn't know what the science behind it, but I knew, and back then, believe it or not, it was that kind of high carb, low fat diet that was really big in the nineties. So if we were all eating like bagels with light cream cheese, everything was light, low fat. We didn't know any better, you know, the processed low fat kind of thing. So um, wasn't, there wasn't so much a science behind it that I knew of, but I knew certain foods to avoid. I knew I wasn't eating like the slush puppies and the hostess cakes and things like I never had the snack bar. I literally never bought any food at school ever. So. Probably, probably for the better. Um, while yeah. that food was delicious, uh, yeah, we kind of even knew by the time we like, I don't know, probably by the time I was 15, 16, I was like, this is just, this isn't right. There's something wrong here. I don't know what it is. And I didn't really buy too much food in high school. I mostly packed my lunches as well. Now, maybe they weren't as healthy as yours, but definitely still packed my own lunches and made a nice sandwich every once in a while. So that is really interesting that even from a young age. So when you know, I, I have written down here that you were bikini competition team coach, which I think is really interesting. You've worked at a, a, a Dynamitize Nutrition. If uh, I'm not I interned with Dynamitize. In that's how I got in the football. Okay, yeah. that's how you got in the football. So very excited about that part of the conversation. But when did you, so again, you wanted to help people from a young age. When did this finally become a job of yours or, or the career path that you were like, this is the first opportunity opportunity I've had to 
and help people with fitness or nutrition or, you know, any of these areas that you've obviously fallen in love with? So I struggled with weight my entire life and I always had to eat well and work out a lot. And everyone would say to me in my life, this didn't happen until my thirties. People were like, have you ever competed? Have you ever competed? I'm like, heck no, I'm not skinny enough to do that. And I had somebody who just convinced me to do it. He's like, just do it. Try it. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it. And I did it. And almost any woman who tries it, if, if you're as into fitness as I am, you end up doing it. You know, you're not going to drop out after six weeks. And I did my first competition and everybody started asking me for help and asking me if I would work at their gym and train. And I was working in marketing. I mean, I had my own business and started in corporate marketing. And I just started to really realize that that's what I wanted to do. And I like quit my job. Actually, I worked for a startup in sports. That's what I, that crossover. I was helping them with business development. And I started to uh, connect with all these different fitness facilities and how to take classes there and how to meet the people in the fitness industry. And I was like, I have, this is what I have to do. And I quit my job and I got my personal training certification and like started back at ground zero in New York city. Um, so I didn't have a paycheck coming in anymore, but it was a passion and it was something I wanted to do. Um, and I started to see how many women in competitions were doing things wrong. And it was killing me. And just the eating disorders and the drugs, the, you know, the PEDs and, and the obsessive compulsiveness. And I knew enough without even having gone to school yet, because I've been doing it for so many years, that this was wrong. This was not the way things do not do cardio for two hours a day. And so I decided that I wanted to help women do it correctly. And that's why I started coaching women myself. Um, and I started, I was UFC gym just opened in downtown um, in Manhattan. And they allowed me to start my own little team up there, which was great. And that's kind of where it got started. So I think since then I've probably coached, well, I've coached hundreds of women, but to stage probably about 30 or 40 women to stage of all different ages. And wow. um, I had two women that were supposed to compete this upcoming weekend in, in New York City. And they're really disappointed about that. But, um, but my philosophy and the women who, who joined my team all understand that I'm going to do things in the healthiest way possible to make them the strongest and healthiest version of themselves. And we are not going to be starving and we're not going to be doing cardio for two hours a day, but you are going to look amazing and be stage ready. So those are the people that come to me and those are the people that work with me. They have the same philosophy. And so, um, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you had an, another. Um, <laughs> yeah. So with that, I mean, obviously talking to you now and kind of seeing your personality and who you are, you, you're very nice, but you also know what you're talking about, right? This is how it is because I've learned it and I've done it. And this is in the beginning what was it like really trying to get these women and these, in these girls to understand like, Hey, you're, you're doing these things wrong. And this is why, how did, was that difficult for you? I mean, you own your own business. So I'm assuming there was kind of that uh, structure, not rigidness structure that was already involved. What were those first few clients like in kind of getting into that aspect of the business and really learning, like, I guess your voice and how do you, how to talk to these women differently than maybe you would talk to clients and, and that aspect of the business. I think I talk to everybody to see. <laughs> I'm love kind it. of a tough love person, but at the same time, I do care. And it, it, it's genuine, so I don't have to prove too much. You know, I am tough love. I'm like, listen, you can do it, and this is why. And there is, you, I, especially with these girls, I'm like, listen, you chose to be an athlete. You didn't choose to be the person that goes to Equinox four days a week. You got in this for a reason, and that weeds out the people that can make it and that can't make it. And I know they can do it. I would never give somebody a program that they couldn't do, or if something they did say listen I just can't do this of course I'll scale it back I mean so I become friends I want to say I become friends with most of my clients too you know so it's it's more of a, a coaching and a friendship that develops they need to trust me and I think from the beginning maybe I was lucky or maybe I they just knew that I knew what I was doing but I really never had any questioning on why I was doing things and if anybody did question me you can bet that I spent 
probably 24 hours in research to find the answer because I always want to know what the real answer is. That is fantastic. And yeah, having that answer and again, having that that tough love mentality, as I said, I can tell that there's the structure there. I'm just not, I was I was curious if in the beginning it was a little different and you kind of had to feel out your own voice. But I mean, as you said, you kind of had that career change and you know, when you were 30, 30, I think you said, right? Um, I, I guess I started in the nutrition coaching side when I was 34. 34. Yeah. So, you know, by that time, you know, you're a well-established human being, right? Like it's, it's one thing if you're 24 getting into this, hormones are going crazy and everything's kind of still weird. You're just getting out of college. At 34, you know who you are as a human being, as a person at that point. So you can be very honest and open with yourself and with others. And I think that that part's always very important too. And I think, again, kudos to you for having, making that decision. I'm sure you had friends and family members say, what are you doing? You have this awesome business. You're, you're great at marketing. What was that like for you? Like, did you just know, like, I have to do this. I don't care if I'm successful in this place. You can always go back. Was that a tough decision for you to make? Or did you realize like, hey, I love this so much. I just want to do it for the rest of my life. You know, it wasn't tough because my mom was pushing me for it. And she's like, either she supports me or she doesn't and things. And she's like, I think you need to do this. I'm going to support you. I know this is what you want to do. Actually, I think she she paid for my personal training certification. That was her support, Thanks, you know, which was great. But you know, knowing that my family knew that that they saw it in me for so many years. Um, but don't get me wrong. There was plenty of times, even the past couple of years where she's like, you know, I don't know if you made the right choice. Cause I was, I mean, I, I was a broke college student. So I went back to grad school after that. I mean, I was broke for years <laughs> until like, until like this year. And now the world's ending. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it was rough being in college full time, taking on a heavy course load of graduate sciences and then trying to run a business. And you know, going back to square one where I'm interning for free. So, um, so it was definitely a, a up and down road. Um, and now, you know, who even knows what's going on? So I'm glad I was talking to my classmates because last year I took my board and we spent about six months studying. And I said, if this was last year when we were studying, do you think we'd be really discouraged with what's going on in the state of the country? Or do you think we'd be happy because we had to study all day anyway? Um, and I think I'm glad I did it last year because at least there was a light at the end of the tunnel of that studying. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's now true. Now I feel yeah, like, so why am I doing all this? So. Yeah, so many people, unfortunately, uh, college kids specifically coming out into the workforce. Obviously, we've seen what happened with unemployment. You know, hopefully when the world starts spinning again, um, some of those numbers and some of those ships get righted. Let's hope, uh, you know, this this ends sooner rather than later and uh, we can get everything back online. So at what point, so, so tell me a little bit about your career path, if you don't mind, with kind of interning for free and, and really jumping into the athlete world, you know, as you said, you know, you've coached so many women to get on stage, which I think is incredible and kudos to you there. When did you decide to kind of make that jump to the professional athlete world and see what you can do on that side? Well, working at a UFC gym, I was actually able to work with some fighters, not necessarily through the gym, but I just was identified with that. And so I did get to work with some fighters. Those were my first athletes um, and weightlifters. I am a weightlifter by sport. And so weightlifters and CrossFitters were probably like my second um, type of athletes that I started working with. Um, and then I answered a job board post that there was an internship in Atlanta to work with football players. And I'm like, Oh, I want to do this. So I went down to Atlanta for the weekend to check out the facility. I loved it right away. I mean, they welcomed me in like I was their own family. And the stipulation was like, okay, well, you know, you can come down here, but we're not paying for anything. I mean, I did get a small stipend, but I had to relocate myself. Um, so I got an Airbnb down there for two months kept paying my rent in New York City, I literally jumped into my savings 100% and went down there. And just by the time that was over, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I decided to move to Atlanta. I came back from Atlanta, came back to New York City. And I was like, I need to relocate 
And I moved my whole life down to Atlanta that fall so that I could continue with my career and develop my career. Um, And yeah, I just, I guess between the the facility really welcomed me in. I was working at Chip Smith Performance Systems and Chip is an amazing guy and really made me feel like family and made me feel like home. Um, I think that helped the situation a lot. And then I was down there for three seasons and I was flying to New York City once a month because I was still, and I had to come for school. So I would fly up to New York City for school. Oh, wow. Santa. Um, and it wasn't, I guess, until, I'm going to say last season that I finally start, was able to start making money with athletes. So before that, it was really just stipend. But then I started to get the trust of the athletes that I was there with. You know, they saw what I knew. They saw me, they saw me there every day. They questioned me every day. I was working with a lot of them. I was studying every day too. So, you know, that's a trusted network. There's no marketing. There's no promotion. It's all about who you know. It's about referrals. It's about trust. And I built it up. You know, I built it up by showing them what I knew. And also, you know, I was in the weight room with them all the time. So I always say this because I think that's really important, that connection of me being able to work out with them or next to them or I'm actually doing you know I'm not just somebody saying oh hey this is what you should do today it's like no she actually gets it she's in the she's in the trenches with us and I think that was really important as well I think that is very important and and again as you said it's a very close-knit group the the more I network and the more people I meet in the sports world and the athlete world the smaller I realize it is Um, it seems like this huge vast network but in reality you can meet a couple people and be about two degrees away from everybody at that point. So it really is all about honesty and authenticity. And, and you know, as you said, it's, it took you two years to gain the utmost trust of these athletes and you were in the trenches with them. They were asking you questions on a daily basis about what to do and how to do it. And I mean, what were initially, again, you know, as you said, you talk to everybody the same and I can truly, truly take your word on that. Cause it does seem that way. But in the beginning, was there any, um, like, were you nervous or, or were you kind of like, uh, you know, kind of stepping on eggshells around some of these athletes just to make sure and feel out the situations? I mean, absolutely. So I should clarify, I was brought down there to do NFL combine prep. So working with not the pro guys already, but the guys that, you know, I was more hands on. And then hey, Jacqueline, in the middle of I'm February, sorry. You know, the NFL, the pro guys would come in. Yeah. Are you, you're starting Am to break out. It, yeah. I'm, I don't okay. mean to make you walk back downstairs, but the, the, the quality down there was. No, bad. I'm just because somebody else, oh. somebody else is on a call down oh, there. Okay. That's the problem. All right. Let me see. I'm sorry. On call. Um, is it better over here if I sit? Um, is it better? The closer to the router, the better. Wherever you were was perfect. And then wherever you went to, it started to cut in and out a little bit. Um, so hopefully, it seems like you're closer now. I'm sorry for yeah, making I'm, you. Sit I'm like, there, it's all right. But, <laughs> I'm looking um, at the router. So. If you um, okay. um, just start the story from uh, with uh, the working with the combine athletes. Okay. So I should clarify by saying that I was brought down there to work with uh, NFL combine and pro day prep athletes. So I went down there to work with them, which was guys coming right out of college. It was a little bit different. Um, and then the pro guys would come in in the middle of February. And I was, I was super intimidated. I'm also to this day, I'm one of those people where I don't like to interrupt people. Um, I don't like to get I just, I, I won't go up to somebody, even if I, my friends are like, you're so crazy. I just respect people and what they're doing and they're there for work. Um, so I think I was definitely intimidated by them. And also in my own head, do I know enough to be able to help them? And I think the, but you know, a lot of guys befriended me. I mean, being in the same place for three years and working out with them all the time, they, they instilled trust in me. 
And I always say that it was them letting me know that I knew what I knew and then them hiring me and being like, you know, everything. I mean, I want to work with you, <laughs> you know, and that helped me so much to get me where I am at now. So they definitely gave me the confidence that I knew enough. And I'll, I'll never forget that feeling too of like, wait, you want to work? You're like, you're the best. Of course, you know, more than anyway, you know, more than my team RD, you know, of course I want to work with you. That so. is awesome. And congrats on that. I think it is absolutely fantastic. And I think it's really interesting. Again, have you, have you seen the difference? Um, I guess from those first few clients, it sounds like they may have been a little bit younger because those are the athletes you were working with compared to some of the athletes you're working with now. And, and from a, obviously a fitness and a nutrition standpoint, but from just a lifestyle trans uh, standpoint and really like some of these 29 year old athletes that have families like are a little bit easier than the 22 year old athletes that still want to go out every weekend. I would say the guys that hire me are guys that, that are more established have been in the league. So my first, uh, I would say like my first big client has been in the league for 10 years and that's, oh, wow. and by him hiring me and telling me that I knew that's really where I got my confidence. I'm like, wait a minute, you've been in the league for years. And if you think I'm, if I'm good, then I know I have it, you know? And, and that's usually when people, and they don't necessarily all have families, but that comes into play as well because I can work with their families and I can work with their kids and helping them with the bigger picture. And I love talking to significant others and wives because then we can really get the cooking in play because there's a couple different, each guy has a different route that we take together. Um, and some of them it's more about meal prep and getting them meal prep services. And some of them it's they want to learn how to eat better and cook better. So, um, and then with, I always say there's a different path. So when I prep guys for NFL combine and pro day, it's an eight week crash course. And I don't get to teach them as much, but I do, but we do have to make more things happen. So I have like eight, to, eight weeks, literally to a combine to put five to 12 pounds on somebody. So some of the rules go out the door, then it's like, you could eat whatever you want, not whatever you want. They can't have any fried foods. That's kind of my rule. Um, you know, I do want to have an anti-inflammatory diet, but if they need to have milkshakes at night or twice a day or three times a day, they're going to have it. So it's a little different. And then like, I would say the typical NFL player who hires me is usually like offensive line or defensive line. Um, they have a little more, they, they need to worry about their weight or think about their weight or think about their body composition or their strength or their career longevity a little bit more than the skill guys. So. That's interesting. That is a really interesting point that you make. And I think it is probably very fun with um, the families involved and understanding, you know, exactly how you can get everybody in tune with it, as you said, with um, the, the kids and the, the wife and the significant others and how are we cooking and what are we cooking? And I will say my girlfriend would not like the no fried food, but if you told her she could have three milkshakes a day, I think she would be totally okay with that. So I'll, I'll let her know that's what you say. And we'll just leave the conversation there. Um, so you were talking a little bit about it before, you know, it's such a small group of, of athletes, uh, or small network of people that you can really, you know, tap into. And it's very word of mouth. How do you how do you, like, do you let the athletes spread your word? Or at certain times, do you say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for more of your friends. I want more people like you who know what they're doing and want this help. How do you kind of go about that business development aspect of it? Um, so I, I feel like business development for me is kind of second nature. So I always say I'm a nutritionist. It's like 20% of my career. I'm a business owner. It's 80% and having that marketing background, maybe it comes second nature, but it is interesting. And I'm still trying to master that. Um, you know, I've gone the route of talking to some, trying to, trying to network with agents, um, especially because, so when it comes to the combine and this year I actually came down to Florida to work at XT Esports, Um, and so I, and I worked at a place in Atlanta, I was flying to Atlanta like every other week too, but XTE being my main place. So when I was approaching it this season, I'm like, 
who is my target audience? Well, the athletes don't hire me for combine. It's the agents that are actually paying me, but the facilities that are recommending me. So I'm like, where am I targeting? So I tried to target some agents individually. Um, and I just did another push to some agents to explain to them why nutrition is so important for their pro athletes right now, being that we don't know when OTAs are going to start. Some of them aren't training like they were before and that the weight's going to be really important about how they come in and what shape they come in and, and their health overall, because they do have to pass these physicals um, to keep their contracts, right? They need yeah, to come yeah. in and pass. And some of them, you know, to guarantee their contracts. So, um, but it's a, it's a hard, it's a really hard balance of like the agents don't not, not to say they don't care, but some agents, some agents pay for their nutrition and coaching for their athletes for two years after they're signed. And some it's just like, nah, eh, whatever, you know, they, mm -hmm. it's not their business anymore after they're done with combine. So it's a really good question. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, it's definitely just word of mouth right now for me. And this time of year, me being in the facilities when they're in off season and they get to know me, that's when I usually get my clients the mm -hmm. year. So this year is like a wash basically for me. Yeah. And I just have to accept it. Listen, everybody's having a problem with business right now. But um, this is definitely the time of year where I meet my athletes in off season. And that's, that's when they, it, it's, it's very face to face. You know, I do have some people I've never met because they've been referrals by other teammates, but it's really about the guys getting to meet me because it's a trust thing. You know, you, they really have to trust the people that they hire. And so when they get to meet me and know me and see me and work out with me and stuff, that's, I feel like that's when that, that trust comes into play. So hundred percent. If I, if I could be everywhere across the world, I'd be better off. <laughs> that would be pretty easy. Thankfully zoom does yeah. exist though. Um, so that's helpful. So that was actually going to be my next question. You know, obviously people have to know you like you trust you. That's always very important. And as you said, most of your time is being a business owner. The nutrition was almost second nature at this point. You can really help anyone and how they need to be helped, especially your core group of clients. What are you doing for your clients right now? As you said, you're not really picking up any, but I'm, st I'm sure there's still many that are taking your advice. How are you helping them through this very weird time without really being able to be face-to-face -face with it being very difficult? I hate frozen food, but that's kind of what we had to buy a lot of because I don't want to go to this store too often. So how are you helping these athletes and what are you doing for them right now in this wacky world that we live in? Well, the first thing I did with all my clients was call them and say, like, this was a month ago, like, make sure that you have your, your freezer stocked. Make sure you have tons of meats and all the protein that you need and, and dry goods and rice, and, like get stocked up so we have something to work with. The other thing is um, meal prep is still able, you know, is a necessity right now. Meal, meal prep is, is one of these services that's helping a ton of people. So luckily, a lot of my athletes are on a meal prep company that I work with one-on-one -on -one, and they're still getting food from them. And the ones that aren't are cooking for themselves which is great. You know, they, they may not have wanted to cook for themselves before, but they're learning how to do it and how to fend for themselves. Um, so knock wood, we haven't had a problem with food. You know, it looks like the food, food, food supply chain is okay for now. Um, the supermarkets are starting to have a lot more on the shelves. No, we don't want to go to the supermarket a lot, but um, I think food delivery in smaller cities is a lot easier. Um, I have two athletes in the New York City area, and I know it's a little bit more challenging for them. Um, but they seem to be okay, especially because they have a meal prep company sending them food. Um, but we've had to do different things as far as changing their program. I, mean, I had to scale back calories and carbohydrates significantly. Um, and then there's this balance of we do need to be a certain weight, but we want to make sure that it's lean muscle. We want to keep lean muscle without being able to lift every day or not being able to lift as much. Um, so we don't want to lose too much weight, especially if we're alignment, right? But we also don't want to gain body fat. So there's a delicate balance, a lot of feedback. It's a lot of, a lot of feedback going on to see how changes are and how strength feels and where their weight's at. Um, we also don't have any way of looking at 
anthropometrics. Like I can't look at body fat. No one has a bod pod in their house. Nobody yeah. has a in body in their house. So it's really, it's more of the speed. It's a lot of feedback right now and the scale and the scale doesn't always tell us the full picture. Yeah, exactly. That, that is, as you were saying, body fat versus lean muscle and all these other, you know, I don't really know how it works. So I'll let you talk about that part, but I do think it's really interesting and still how you're able to help. And I guess like, as, uh, you know, the fitness aspect of it, how difficult is it for some of these athletes, especially like ones in New York City, unless they live in a really nice building, they're probably kind of in these smaller places, unless they have their own house, they probably don't really have a gym to go to. What are some of these just like little things that you have to kind of conjure up to make sure again, that they are at least super close to what we're looking for. So by the time the world does start spinning again, they can kind of go back to the gym and kind of maybe not l- jump back to where they left off, but at least get back to where they were quicker rather than, than later. Well, with my, with my pro athletes, I'm not doing their programming for them. You know, a lot of them are working remotely with a coach. A lot of coaches have been doing like apps that have come out. So if they ask me, I probably could help them put together a program with whatever they have available. I am doing that for my general population and for my competitors. Um, so I've created a lot of workouts because I do work with general population as well. Anyone who's active, um, so I've created a lot of really innovative workouts. <laughs> I'm like, someone's like, well, I have a teddy bear and a coffee mug and a band. I'm like, sure, let me make you five days of workouts. And, but I do it. You know, I mean, that, I think this is the time where you really, it really separates like the good from the great as far as coaches and experience. Because I always say like a good coach can make a novice look good or make them better. Um, but it's the times that are tough that you that you really see who who's better at what they do because not everybody can get through these things as a coach psychologically and as a coach with just the programming you have to know your you have to know your stuff you know yeah oh my goodness i can only imagine and clearly um you're earning you're earning those paychecks now jacqueline if you weren't before you are absolutely earning them now and uh with a lot of these athletes as you said um, and i understand you work with business executives you work with a lot of very impressive people as you said um you know general population as well but i think the one the i do want to touch upon um a couple other opportunities and with with these athletes you know the combine went well i watched pretty much every hour of it and i loved every second of it because we all love football here in america right so I'm sure that part was easy for you, but once everything did shut down a few weeks ago and a lot of these athletes never had the opportunity to go to their pro days, what have you been doing to help them from that aspect to at least just do something? Cause many of these athletes really, they count on the pro days. That's where they really count on. There's only 200 and whatever, 300 athletes that go to a combine, however many pro days there are around the country there are. So what are you doing to help these athletes and make sure that they're up to snuff and, and, you know, they're their draft stock doesn't fall too much from the fact that they can't have these opportunities. So one of the facilities that I work with in Atlanta was really good about recording them throughout their training, but then also did a a virtual like mock pro day um, where he had a laser and he recorded everything. I mean, did everything from weighing them, measuring them, every single station in combine, every drill plus position drills. Um, And their agents also have been doing a lot. If they have good agents, their agents are doing a lot to get this film in front of scouts. Um, I know a lot of my guys have had like FaceTime and Zoom interviews and I've been speaking to them. Is there going to be a disadvantage for the guys that didn't have their pro days? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's really unfair, but what can we do? And I just, we have to hope that the scouts give them that equal chance to at least show up. And I would say OTAs, but who even knows if we're going to have them at least show up to training camp, let these guys give them a chance, let them see what they're about. You know, I don't know how the league's going to handle that condensed schedule, but let's hope that if they see the tape that these guys have and they see their numbers, even if it's virtually, 
and they have film from school, you know, and they, they interview well, that they'll still give them the same chance that, if, that, that they would if they had their pro day. Um, anybody who had a combine invite, you know, most of them probably are okay. They didn't get to see them twice. They didn't get to see them at their pro day, but at least they got to see them once. Um, and if they decided not to do a certain, you know, some guys opt out of benching and some guys opt out of running the 40 at combine, they're usually in a position where they're still going to get drafted, whether they mm -hmm. do that or not. So, mm -hmm. so the combine guys were lucky. Some of these pro day guys, this is going to be a, this is going to be a season for the books, right? Oh, they're going to be making movies about this on ESPN for years. But, you know, my perspective personally is if you look at how many undrafted free agents are in the league now that are amazing, that excel, that it's like if they didn't have that chance, how different the league would be today. And I think the NFL knows that as well. You know, from a, um, for them, it's money making, right? It's a business. Mm -hmm. so they don't want to give up on that talent either. They're not going to be like, oh, well, you know, these couple hundred guys just aren't going to get a chance this year. I don't think they're going to say that. I think that they're going to do the best they can to give them a chance. Absolutely. And you see it every year, the undrafted free agent that starts on, you know, the Steelers or the Ravens, you know, these teams or the Patriots that they just are a little, they always seem a little bit smarter than everyone else. And they always are able to go find those diamonds in the rough and those guys that do what they can do. And in, in terms of, you know, again, so you help them with nutrition, you help them with fitness. I'm sure something that you've been able to at least talk to them about the mental health aspects. I mean, it's super boring. If you're, you know, a single guy at 20, whatever years old, just hanging out in an apartment by yourself for days on end, it gets pretty weird. Um, you know, I'm lucky I have my girlfriend and I live in the suburbs so I can go outside and walk around. But as you said, some of these guys in New York City or these smaller cities, they're really kind of advised to stay inside. So what, I, I know you're not, you know, trained in psychology or anything, but I'm sure you talk to these guys on a daily basis. And what are you seeing or what are you trying to help them with uh, from that aspect? Again, just kind of keep their head on straight and understand that the draft's right around the corner. The season's right around the corner. Just keep doing what I'm telling you to do and everything. Sports will come back. They always do. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I say. There's a mental aspect to my coaching, regardless if there's a world crisis or not, because I'm looked at as, you know, like, I don't know, I'm a coach, I'm kind of like, the old wise one, I'm like the big sister, you know, I don't want to say the mom, <laughs> you know, but they always come to me for once that trust is built, they're always asking me for advice, especially the, when I'm bringing the guys through combine. Um, so a lot of them have turned to me just for the science side of things. Like, hey, Jack, what's really going on? You know, is this really going to be an issue? Especially the guys that aren't in New York that are in, you know, more states that are more down south that didn't even shut down until recently because they're not seeing it hands-on. They're like, is this real? Is this really going on? Is this really going to happen? Should I, should I be training with other people? Because I see you posting that this is, I shouldn't be. So I've had these talks with a bunch of them. Like, sometimes their agents are pressing them. Like, hey, there's this like underground pro day thing going on. You should go to it or you should train with this coach. And, and they've come to me and said, you know, I, I'm watching you and you're saying not to do it. And I don't feel comfortable. What do I tell my agent? And I'm like, don't do it. You know, do not do it. It's not worth it. Um, so there's that side. And then there's the like, I just want to get outside. I mean, some people, like you said, don't even have a field to go out to. And some of them are with their parents and families and they're stuck indoors and they don't have a choice. Um, and I'm like, listen, just hang in there because when the season starts, you're going to be living your best life, like a life you've never expected ever. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel for you. And yeah, your speed may have dropped and your, your strength may have gone down a little bit, but these are all things you're going to get back right away. And it's going to kind of be an even playing field then too. Um, some guys are probably going to come in a little stronger than others and a little faster because they did have access to that. But just hang in there, stay strong, you know. And also what I like some of my guys are doing is really focusing on movement and rehabilitation. And this is a great time to do that, you know, to be, be able to understand movement, be able to fix any little the imbalances that are going mm -hmm. on in your body, any little injuries. And 
understand what they're eating. If, if they really, that would, that makes me happy. If they want to understand like, okay, you told me to eat this, but like now we could talk about why we're eating it and uh-huh. why is this food considered anti-inflammatory or what, what can I be eating to boost my immune system all the time? I mean, no, we can't prevent a virus by eating, but in the bigger picture, we can help your health. We can prevent metabolic syndrome. And as we see, like the comorbidities with this are people that have hypertension and have obesity. Um, and unfortunately, the stats are about 48% of linemen do have metabolic syndrome by the time they get into college. So even though they seem healthy and they're performing at a high level, when we look at what's going on inside of their body, they're clinically have metabolic syndrome. Mm-hmm. So you know, these are some things that we can work on now. Well, kudos to you for teaching them as well. I think as you see, I saw your face. You've been smiling this whole time. But your face really lit up when you said, and now they get to understand why they're here. They're not just listening to me. We appreciate that they listen to you because you know what you're doing. But now they're listening to you and they're hearing you and they're understanding why they're eating what they're eating. If you tell me, Mike, don't eat red meat, I'm probably going to eat red meat less. I'm probably not going to cut it out because I love steak, right? I love hamburgers. But at the same time, I could cut it down, right? Now it's an understanding of why and how, and this is what it does. So I guess, you know, you already kind of went over it a little bit um, and kind of saying, you know, you're reducing calories, we're reducing a lot of these things. What are some of the recommended things for, you know, these athletes, but then also, I guess, like, you know, regular human beings like me, general population that we could be doing, you know, over the next, you know, let's call it hopefully only three or four weeks to, I've heard a lot of people on the internet talking about this, you know, freshman 15 and now the quarantine 15 is a, is a, is alive and well. So what are some things that we as just regular people can do as well as, you know, some of these athletes and some of the things you're recommending to them? One of the things I've been telling people as far as food is concerned is try not to snack. So set specific meal times for yourself, say like, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And if you want to call it snack or, you know, some people do four meals a day, some people do five. But set those specific meal times and don't snack in between because it's the snacking that's getting to people from what I'm seeing. And the snacks can take up for the, it will easily fill up your calories with somewhat empty calories. So if you can be doing protein first before your carbohydrates, because they will fill you up, um, depending on your exercise level or just your how much are you moving in general? So if you're sitting at your kitchen table working all day, then your carbohydrate levels need to go down a little bit. Um, on the flip side of that, I do tell people to get up and take a walk, like every, you know, every hour or two, take a walk for 20 minutes, if you can, um, do something that's active, and give yourself with like a recess, give yourself a full hour lunch break, and be active, even if it's going outside and throwing a ball around with your kids, or just taking a walk, or getting on that bike, um, making sure that you have a recess hour, almost like when you were a kid in, in high school, or, you know, um, and so I think the important things are not snacking, and I know it's hard, and if you have to snack, have like vegetables available. I know it's not as much fun, but cut car- carrots, snow peas, peppers, um, rice cakes. For me, I hate rice cakes. So they're like punishment food. So they remind me not to be snacking. So if I have to like snack on a rice cake, I'm like, eh, forget it. I don't, yeah. I don't even need this, you know? Love it. Um, having set meal times, set meal times give you something to look forward to as well. Um, maybe cooking some, cooking a dinner that you look forward to and that can give you something to do with your family as well. Um, and the other thing that people are starting to come to me with is this alcohol thing. So I have people that are like, I don't normally drink. And now it's becoming one glass of wine a night, or we're doing virtual happy hours with people. And, and that's a hard problem because when you're bored, sometimes that's fun, right? So alcohol quickly adds up. So I tell people, well, I'm not going to tell you not to drink at all, but if you could pick maybe two nights 
and do two drinks or, you know, but a drink a night is going to add up. It just is. And a lot of times when people drink, they tend to snack more afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I think alcohol is becoming a, I don't say a problem, but it's uh, becoming a caloric problem for people. I, I um, can see that and understand it. And, uh, I've done pretty good. I've done pretty well on that. The virtual happy hours, we're keeping them to Fridays and Saturdays, thankfully. Um, I don't have too much more alcohol in my house, so I can't really drink too much more of it. But I will say if I have a couple couple beers, I do love to snack more than I normally do. So I will take all of that advice. Jacqueline, this was absolutely fantastic. You are full of information and I really appreciate it. Did we touch upon any? Is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Little little nuggets of wisdom that can help us out either, either now or just like, again, when the world's kind of doing its thing again? Oh, there is one more thing we can work on yep. right now is that's our water intake because mm-hmm. everybody out there is dehydrated, right? So right now is a great time to be able to maybe instead of snacking, go for water. Now I'm not saying if you're hungry, drink water. I'm saying instead of snacking, have some water. And it could be tea also. It doesn't, you know, water counts as your coffee, your tea, um, your protein shakes, you know, have water in them. So I think hydration is really important. It's something we can focus on and get in a habit right now of drinking more water, especially because for my New Yorkers, Drinking a lot of water becomes a problem when they have to get on the train. That's a big thing I hear from people. It's like, well, if I drink a lot of water, then by the time I get on the train, I got to use the bathroom. Well, now we don't have to worry about that, right? So, uh, so I would say stay hydrated for everybody. Athletes, general population, you know, focus on getting in enough water right now. That is great information. I saw a few years ago, I was in the doctor's office for a physical and I saw on the wall, it said something like 72% of people are in a constant state of dehydration. I was like, holy crap, I'm totally one of those 72% of people. So the only, I only drink three things, coffee, water, and beer. And I don't drink beer until it's the weekend. So I guess I'm doing pretty okay. I have, you know, I shoot for, what is it? Your body weight in ounces, something like that, or like it's, half your body uh, weight in ounces? Half know. your body weight in ounces okay. plus uh, eight ounces for every half hour of exercise. Well, I don't so exercise I feel like, too, too much. So I think in that case, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, half your body weight in ounces, yep. Yes, plus the, then the other part that you said that hopefully everyone else listening does as well. So Jacqueline, this was absolutely fantastic. Sports nutritionist at Athletes Nutrition. Really appreciate your time. You were fantastic. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode with Jacqueline. As I said, super, super interesting in what she's doing and how she's doing it. I had an absolute blast getting to chat with her, and it was just so much fun. Um, You know, I love these conversations, especially ones with people like Jacqueline, because she's so charismatic. It's so easy to just ask her questions and get these really great, thoughtful answers that I was very grateful for this conversation. So please make sure to follow Jacqueline on all of the socials in the show notes. Everything is there for you. And also, please make sure to give us a five-star review on whatever podcast application you're using, because that would be really, really really helpful and help spreading these messages and words, especially like Jacqueline's, a little bit further. And remember, drink more water. That's what we learned from this episode. You could take one thing away, just make sure you're drinking more water. So thank you all so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of, and I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.